Amen. Amen. Uh, welcome to Lake Avenue Church, especially if uh, you are with us for the first time, or it's been a long time, or you've been with us just a few times. We are so grateful. I hope you have uh, gotten a glimpse of the kind of church family uh, we are. Really privileged to be able to serve here um, and to be part of this uh, movement of Jesus that cuts across and beyond uh, language barriers, cultural barriers, uh, truly being a part of a global church is a, is a great privilege. And because of that great privilege, I want to be very clear that I am wearing red in honor of Lunar New Year, not the marketing ploys of Valentine's Day. I, my thoughts on Valentine's Day are well documented. Uh, however, happy Valentine's Day, family and Jenny, they should know, but every day with Jeff Mattisich is Valentine's Day. Amen? Amen. All right. A couple of really important things happening in the life of our church and connected to our church family that I want to point out before we jump into the sermon today. First, we are a church with a lot of scientists, and on Thursday is a huge day. I recommend you, I think it's around 12 o'clock, there will be a live stream, but we've got a landing happening prayerfully on Mars. And to all of our scientists, to all of our employees of JPL, uh, we are excited and we are with you this week in prayer, in mind, and I, I know that even in our home we will pause all uh, of the online school. If the school doesn't want to do it, we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to watch this, this, this happen. So it's such an exciting week. In fact, one of our great employees of JPL is a dear friend of mine and more than a friend of mine, he also happens to be our church chair. And the flowers that are behind me that I hope you've been able to see um, are in honor, are in as a gift from he and Laura, Dan Crichton and Laura, in memory of his uh, grandmother who recently passed, uh, Pauline Bauman, and all reports I hear about her as someone who just deeply loved Jesus, deeply loved the scripture, and we wanted to just pause and honor uh, her life as they have, uh, in COVID, had to not just deal with the loss, uh, but to delay the mourning as many of you have, and uh, we're able to have a celebration on Friday. I also want to remind you, as Pastor Chuck did on Wednesday, believe it or not, we are beginning to point towards Easter. And Ash Wednesday is uh, this coming Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. We will stream our Ash Wednesday service. And more than just our Ash Wednesday service, I'll make comments also in the sermon to invite you to a new season for us, not just a new teaching series for us in this Lenten season, but really a what we're calling a 40-day campaign for the people of Lake Avenue Church uh, to wrap themselves up in tangible actions, prayers, moments of love over the next 40 days. Uh, Pastor Janine Smith has led marvelously in this effort, and next week, grateful that uh, Pastor Matthew John and Pastor Janine Smith will be bringing the word to start out our Lenten series formally. But we'll see you on Wednesday at 7.30. I'm thrilled that uh, former pastor, chaplain, uh, Carol Kenyon will be bringing the homily on Wednesday. So you're not gonna wanna miss that. I know we miss Carol in this pulpit, and so I'm grateful for her. Well, let's jump into the text. I, I want to give you a, uh, a statement that I, I hope you know to be true, and it's simply this. You will find it. You will find anything you want. What do I mean by that? In, in the days that we live with the internet at our disposal, with YouTube at our disposal, I, I think you know the obvious, that any stated belief we have 
uh, biblically, theologically, politically, socially, anything that we already believe, it doesn't take much time or energy to find someone, some institution, some church, some thought leader that will either affirm what we already believe or deny and find fault in something we believe. In fact, most of us have the algorithms already set on our news feeds, on our internet browsers, to make sure that the information we get already affirms what we already believe. You will find it. You could take anything, uh, any hot issue, any, uh, any text that's ever preached in any uh, church, and listen to one sermon, and then if you Google enough, that very same text will say something potentially very opposite of what was seen. Because you and I live at a time where we will find what we want to hear, and we can find even opposition to what we believe to be true, it takes an incredible amount of discernment to know what is true, to know what is good, to know what is right. And oftentimes, that kind of discernment is very difficult for many of us because we do not live in a discerning algorithm. We live at a time where the opposition, where the affirmation of what we already believe to be true is constantly affirmed or fought in most of our days, most of our browsers, most of our Facebook feeds. Why do I bring this up? I, I bring this up because we have been traveling, this will be our sixth week in the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah, if we go back to chapter one, we find a man with a broken heart over the condition of his people and the reputation of his God. We find a man who mourned, a man who cried, a man who fasted, a man who wanted to be part of the rebuilding effort, yes, for the walls and the gates, but ultimately for the people of God and for the reputation of his God. And what we have seen week in and week out up through this moment is that there is an incredible amount of opposition that has come to Nehemiah. But Nehemiah, what we will see over and over again, is not just a praying man but he's a discerning man. He is able to understand what his ultimate mission was so that when the opposition came, when the problems came, he was able to stay focused on what the mission was. And Nehemiah's mission, in some ways, was very concrete, literally concrete. Build the walls, repair the gates. That's why I've come to Jerusalem. This is the work in which the people of God will sacrifice. This is what the opposition will want to stop us from doing. But Nehemiah, time and time again, up to this point in Nehemiah, stays focused on his mission and stays connected to his God. Lake Avenue Church, I wish in some ways that our mission was to repair the building. And we need to do some of that. I wish that what we were rallying around was a couple Saturdays where we could come and, and do yard work around the property and, and put some paint to, up on the walls. By the way, when you come back, you are going to be blown away with how beautiful the inside of this church building has become due to the amazing workers and staff that we have. I wish that's what we were talking about, but the rebuilding work that God has invited, I believe, us into in this particular moment of the church is beyond physical property. 
It's to bring Jesus and the message of Jesus to a world that is distracted, to a world that is in shambles. So yes, in Nehemiah's time, the walls were crumbled, but in many ways, you and I are getting the mission from God to bring Jesus into this world in a world and a nation that is crumbled. If, if you're not aware, I want to remind you what the mission of Lake Avenue Church is. It's simple to read, harder to live. It simply says, following Jesus, we participate in God's reconciling work by making disciples of all peoples, all generations. Let me point out a couple of things here. Number one, we follow Jesus and it is God who does the work. We follow Jesus and it is God who does the work and you and I as God's children, as his church have been invited into the work that God is already doing. And what is that work? That reconciling work, making all things right by making disciples of all peoples, all generations. Everyone, no matter what age, no matter what culture, no, no matter what language they speak, we believe that God is reconciling all peoples, all peoples to himself, and that we have been invited to do that work. Nehemiah's mission was to repair walls. Our mission is to make disciples of all peoples and all generations. And I am telling you that the parallels from Nehemiah to us in this day are different, but they are so the same because that mission, that focus is so required for us to stay focused on that vision because the opposition is all around. Just like Nehemiah, we see that opposition comes, yes, from the outside world, who's not quite interested in the people of God doing the mission that Nehemiah has sensed God's invited them into. But we also saw a couple of weeks ago that the opposition can come from within. The distractions can come from within the believing community as well. When we're not living God's ways with one another, when we uh, take advantage of one another, when we take advantage of situations. And so the strong rebuke of Nehemiah is not just to uh, if you remember, grab a spear while you grab your shovel, but it's also to shake out the pockets of, 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 of shallow faith within. You and I, in the mission to follow Jesus and participating in God's reconciling work by making disciples of all peoples and all generations, will we'll also experience opposition. Opposition from the outside and distractions from within. Opposition by distraction is a tool of the enemy, and I think it's just a reality of a broken world. And today, as we conclude this series, not the book, but we're concluding a pretty important uh, part, you'll see that in verse 15, what we will not read is the wall comes to completion, and, and so will our series. But the title of this message is Mind the Gaps, because as the wall comes to completion, there is still opposition by distraction that happens for Nehemiah, which means what? There was never really a moment in the rebuilding of the, the, the wall or the gates in which the people of God were free from distraction. So Lake Avenue Church, people of God, be aware that as we seek to fulfill the mission that God has placed on us, there's not going to be many moments without opposition. There's not gonna be very many moments without distraction. That's part of the gig. And yet in the midst of distraction, in the midst of opposition, what we see is the people of God were able to get the task done. 
And oftentimes I find myself being so overwhelmed by distraction and opposition that it can halt the work of God and the mission that he has called us to. And what Chuck has said is what I'll be encouraging us to think about. Minding the gap takes great discipline of mind, great spiritual disciplines to stay focused on the mission of what God has called us to as a church and in your own life. Because while I've given you the mission statement of Lake Avenue Church, I believe that God has a mission statement on each one of you personally and in your families. That God has made you and placed you in a very specific place in this moment in time to be his hands, his feet, his eyes, his, his ears, his, the, the praying person, the, the person who lives out the gospel of Jesus in your world. And that mission is paramount. It's priority for each one of us. And oftentimes what happens is whatever we sense God is inviting us into, it is so easy, so easy as we will see for the distractions to be significant. And Nehemiah will serve as an example to us today of how to mind the gap of distractions as we continue the work of Jesus. If you have a copy of the scriptures in front of you, I invite you to stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. We will be in Nehemiah chapter six, verses one to 14. And a little tip for you, there's some names in here that are not common names for us, especially towards the end. And what you will notice is you just power through those, whether you say them correctly or not. So here we go, starting in verse one. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messages to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and I cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message in his hand and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, now this report will get back to the king. So come, come, let us meet together. Verse eight, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your own head. Then they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Verse 10, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Delilah, the son of Methabel, who was shut, shut in at his home. And he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into this temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then 
they would give me a bad name and discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. And I am going to read verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I really hope you sense the drama as I read it. I mean, it's so interesting how I grew up reading the scriptures to just kind of like work through and not see the drama unfold. I mean, what we have is a relentless pursuit happening in these 14 verses. We have three specific attempts of the enemies of the work, the enemies of Nehemiah, the enemies of the people of God to stop in the final stretch of the wall being completed. We, we, we begin hearing that the wall is complete, and I love this phrase, not a gap was left in it. And, and, and this also is very interesting to me. These are one of these moments where our superhero Nehemiah becomes a regular human being. Notice the use of the personal pronoun. I had finished the wall. I mean, he's just, no, no, the people of God did that. But, but he's just so human to me in this moment. But the point is this, the wall is done. And not a gap was left in it. The time is narrowing. All he has to do is set doors and gates. You get to that point in your house remodel project, you know you're close, right? All he's got to do is finish these last things. Time is running out. And so time is running out. The enemies, the opposition, ramp up their schemes and games. And there are three particular moments that I want us to look at. Three what I'm going to call distraction attempts that Nehemiah had to contend with. And I think what you will see is that these people, these enemies, knew uh, the temptations of being human because these same attempts would tempt us today, and they do tempt us today. And I believe we can find that the strategy of distraction in Nehemiah 6 is the same strategy of distraction that we face in our lives today. First one I want you to see in verses 1 to 4, I'm going to call it cloaked friendship. Cloaked friendship. I mean, we know up to this point, these are the people who keep showing up before he traveled to Jerusalem, as he got to Jerusalem. These are people who don't want the work to happen. And they have, right, they've slandered. They've threatened physically. That hasn't stopped them. And now what we're going to do is play the good guy. Notice throughout all of this, they actually take their own accusations out of it and start speaking about other people's concerns and setting other people up because they knew that, that their own attempts to distract did not work, so they've got to go to another level. And the first level they go to is what is this cloaked friendship. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Come. I mean, I know it wasn't too long ago that I was threatening your life, but, but we want to we take a meeting with you now. And I want you to see that Nehemiah was able to discern to avoid the distraction. Remember, not a gap was left in it, though up to that time he had not set the doors and gates. He knew he still had work to do. It's, I don't know if he didn't want friendship with them because his life was threatened, but, but the reality, he knew what was left to do. He didn't throw in the towel in the last 5% of the project. He saw that he needed to see the project to completion. 
And because he is focused on the mission that God has given, it took an incredible amount of discernment to avoid this distraction of cloaked friendship. Essentially, what they were doing was inviting, it was an invitation to get Nehemiah close so that he can be pulled away, pulled away from the project. And this is human nature. I mean, at the end of the day, even, even those who have declared they don't like us, when they might show an attempt to change that story, there's something inside each one of us that wants to be connected, wants to be close would love the story to change, that this person who used to think I'm not that great might like me now. It was an invitation to get Nehemiah close to them personally and it would pull him away from the project, to pull him away from his primary calling, to rebuild. Incredibly tempting and very difficult to stay focused on what you sense is priority. I want you to know something. Bad things can be cloaked as good things. Ultimately, relationship with people is a good thing. But bad things can be cloaked in good things, and good things can cloak the right things. A, a silly illustration. I mean, a, a meaningful illustration, but, but not applicable to all of you. But let me try. If you recall, when Hurricane Katrina happened, our high school students, I was high school pastor at that time, Albert Tate and I were high school pastors, our high school kids went down one summer, started some rebuilding, and our kids came back, our students came back and led our church through a, through a long project to get several people in homes rebuilt. And Lake Avenue Church, I mean, it's one of the, the hallmarks of the season in between senior pastors for us. When we came together as a church family and, and fell in love with a group of people, uh, followers of Jesus in New Orleans. And as that project began to take way, there was a big decision that came to me. I mean, surely every trip that go out there was an opportunity for me to get on a plane and, and be there. And Albert and I were kind of co-founders of that project. And, and there was a part of me that really wanted to go each time. But I had to discern in that moment to go, is that really a good use of time, energy, and money for both of us to be gone all the time? It was a good thing. I would have loved having beignets several times that year. I would have loved, I'm a relational person, I'm a, I like to build. I would have loved doing all that. But, but the good thing wasn't necessarily the right thing. And so we made a decision that I would hold shop here at Lake Avenue, why Albert would be the one pastorally to go on all of those trips. And there was great sacrifice with that. Because I knew what my calling was. I knew that high school students and high school ministry needed to remain the focus for me but there was a really good and tempting thing out there. In Nehemiah's case, this, this cloaked friendship was the, uh, an attempt of distraction. I don't know what is being cloaked in your life or in the life of our church that would distract us from the mission of our church or the mission that God has on you. But chances are, ultimately, it's a good thing at its core, but good things aren't necessarily the right things. Notice that Nehemiah was able to discern through that distraction and say, I got to stay here and finish this project. I'm not coming down there. The second distraction we see in verses five to nine, we're calling it subtle slander. Because the, they know human nature, and I bet Nehemiah is not the only one who wants people to like him. Do you, are you someone who cares what people think about you? 
Are you someone who cares what people say about you? Notice the strategy of distraction here was to offer vague accusations and false narratives to begin with. Uh, Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations. And Geshem says it's true. You ever, you know, everybody's saying this. And I I even talked to one person who, who knows that for sure, I mean, they have firsthand knowledge. I mean, this is the world we live in, people. Vague accusations of everybody's talking or everybody or every, I mean, these extremes. And in this case, all just the nations. And, and there's one person in particular who knows this to be true. Subtle slander because when you and I hear that people are talking and people are quoting and people know firsthand about something, It can distract us from the mission because we start caring what people think and what people say, whether it's true or not. It is reported among the nations. What others are saying can lead us to be more concerned about what is happening out there versus staying focused on what God has called us to do. That same temptation of distraction was present for Nehemiah. Be more focused about what the nations are saying in this one guy, Geshem, versus what God has said. It goes on to say that what they're saying is that there's this whole narrative, this false narrative about the Jews are plotting a revolt, a false narrative about what Nehemiah is doing and will do, filling in the space and the blanks with rumor, with false accusations, vague accusations and false narratives. Vague accusations and false narratives are destructive in the rebuilding work in your life, and they are destructive in the rebuilding work of God's people in this moment as well. And they are frequent, not just in Nehemiah, but I would argue in very many spaces of spiritual leadership and formation and in the conversations around the mission of the church, nationally, globally, all kinds. Well, this person's saying, and then I heard over here, I mean, this is the world we live in. And here's what I love if we continue. We've got uh, vague accusations, false narratives about what the intent is of the mission. And listen to what Nehemiah, he just gives a very straightforward response. I think this serves as an example for me and for you. When there are vague accusations and false narratives around what we are doing in our lives or what we are doing as a church, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your own head. They are all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and and it will not be completed. But then I prayed, strengthen my hands. Do you just love the straightforwardness? I mean, I I think your ministry council and me, I pray, have a little bit more tact when maybe there's a vague accusation or a false narrative. I don't think I'll just answer the email with nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your own head. Although... Maybe we just need more honesty with one another going, yeah, I just need you to trust me on that. There's nothing else there. I've said that several times over my years in ministry. When a vague accusation or a false narrative comes about why we are doing something or why I am doing something, just to go, no, that's not it. Just try try to be faithful this week, ultimately. Vague accusations. Everybody wants to know. Many people are talking I see what you are doing. 
I've shared this story before, but when Pastor uh, Greg announced uh, that his season was coming to an end, we really did a great job, I think, of, of being very honest with the congregation about that journey for him and what that meant for, for me and Jenny. And I remember one day standing at the door and someone came up to me and thanked me for the message that morning and said, but I think you're trying to take over my church. And I just went, no, that's my church too. It's not my intent. Because that's just a distracted tool away from the mission of our church, the mission of the people of God. I don't know what it is. It could be in your own health journey. Many of you starting tomorrow, right? This will be the week where I'm going to, I'm going to eat better and I'm going to exercise better. And, and then the false narrative comes into your mind that, that you can't do that. Or the vague accusation that uh, people have tried that and you can't do I don't know what the vague accusations or false narratives that roll around in your head in the rebuilding work that you sense God is inviting you into personally or us as a church, but we have to have straightforward responses to those things. Nothing like what you're saying. Finally, final distraction, we're calling it spiritual deception in verses 10 to 14. And this is the one that is just also has a level of subtlety. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Delilah, the son of Methabel, who was shut in his, at his home. And he said, and you got to understand what he's trying to do. Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. Okay. This didn't work with cloaked friendship. It did not work with trying to go for the person. Now the strategy is to get inside and, and to use some spiritual deception. See, what Nehemiah knows that we don't know because we live in a very different gathering kind of worship environment is that the temple was a place for particular things. And one of the things the temple was not was to hide from those trying to kill you. You didn't just walk into the temple and take refuge. Frankly, we can, and that's, that's a great progress. But in that time, the temple had very particular rules, reasons, places, locations, and you were there to worship God, not protect yourself. So if Nehemiah took the bait and said, my own personal safety is more important than the mission that God has tempted me, he would be caught as a fraud in the faith, using the temple for his own advantage versus using the temple for what it was intended to be used for. But here's the thing. The prophet said the right words. Look in verse 10. Let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors. This is subtle, but I want you to see this because this happens all the time in our world. But he said God. But he said temple. But he said temple doors. This is spiritual deception. This person is posing as a prophet and using the right words to try to draw Nehemiah into being distracted from finishing the work. How does that play out in our world? Well, the person's a Christian who said it. I mean, I heard them quote a Bible verse. I mean, they recognized God in general, so it must be. I mean, this happens all the time. It even happens in the way we live out our mission as the church of Jesus Christ, because you will find it, right? can say we're about this as a church, but, but this person over here who has no biblical training, who uh, has a totally different career choice, 
but they follow God and they tweeted this. So, and they said the right word. So we've got to take that bait and go. See, this distraction of spiritual deception is, is right here for Nehemiah. And it's right here for you and me. But Nehemiah, in the midst of somebody saying the right words, posing as the right person, was able to, and I want you to see it, he was able to spot biblical and theological error. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Nehemiah loved God, knew God's ways, knew what the temple was there for, and was able to spot error. This is the one of the things that I believe in 2021 as we rebuild in this world we live in, as we rebuild being the people of God at Lake Avenue Church, we have to be able to be people who will not be spiritually deceived because just because somebody says the right words doesn't mean they're right. And we have to be able to spot biblical and theological error. Again, for Nehemiah, he was able to spot that they were trying to trap him in sin around the use of the temple for his own personal safety. But he also, see this in the same verse, he spotted a fake prophet. So he not only spotted biblical and theological error, he spotted fake prophets. He realized this was a hired hand. This was a ploy of Sanballat and Tobiah. And I want you to know that there might not be human beings uh, uh, finding and paying false prophets in your and my world, but there are false prophets around us because it's a strategy of distraction that the enemy has in order for us not to finish the rebuilding work that God has called us to. So Nehemiah cloaked friendship. Nehemiah, uh, subtle slander. Nehemiah, uh, spiritual deception was able to hold strong in each one of these environments. I, I want you to see how human Nehemiah is, not just because of his own declaration of the work he's done, but cloaked friendship is really a desire to be connected and to be close to others. Those are good things. But there are things cloaking around good things to stop us from doing the right things all the time. I want you to see that this slander about what other people are saying and what you're doing speaks to the very human desire each one of us have to be liked, to be respected. And oftentimes what other people think stop us from living out what we know God wants from us. And this spiritual deception is a desire I pray that all of us have is to be righteous, to be right, to do the right things that God has called us to. But deception is all around us and you will find whatever you want to hear. So the questions I have for us this week is are you slowed down enough first to know the mission that God has invited you into? Both the mission in your personal life and in your family and the mission that God has called us to at Lake Avenue Church. Because when you know your mission, you will be able to more firmly secure what's being cloaked around us to distract us from that mission. Another thought I have is, is there anything stopping you from building and rebuilding the, the work that God has called us to because you care too deeply about what other people will say? Because you don't want to be disrespected. 
Because it's not just the subtle slander of Nehemiah, it's the subtle slander that we live as the people of God that can prevent us from continuing in the work that God has called us to. And, and finally, Lake, and we're going to need to settle in on this one more and more in coming days, is where might we be spiritually deceived? Just because the right words are being said doesn't mean they're right. And we have to have that level of discernment to know what is true and good biblically, theologically, to be able to spot the fake around us so that we can focus on the true around us. Uh, Just a a quick example is it grieves the heart of God, our mission, all peoples, all generations. We believe deeply, Revelation 7, 9, at the end, when we're in the throne of heaven, that every tongue, tribe, and nation maintains their identity, singing praises to God. And so we are a church that is focused on the reconciling work of all peoples and generations. That's why I'm so grateful that my my nine-year-old has adults in his life sharing Jesus with him. I'm so grateful in our commitment to being all peoples that we see where the divides are among peoples in this world and we bring the gospel of Jesus to those places. And so we are a church that speaks against issues of, of isms, of racism, of sexism, of the ways in which people are divided from one another. And here's how this spiritual deception can work. So we're committed to being a church against uh, racism. And we, we get distracted because we go, this over here, but what about this? What about this? What about this? But the core issue is that there are divides between people and God has called us to be as agents of reconciliation in those places. And I understand there are theories and things like that that, that, that can distract us, but all of a sudden we can spend so much time talking about all these other things that we forget the primary work that God has called us to. And Lake, I am excited in 2021 to continue to focus on the primary work of participating, following Jesus, participating in God's reconciling work by making disciples of all peoples and all generations and the issues that peoples face, the issues that generations face, God invites us to step into those places and be agents of reconciliation. Ought, we ought not be spiritually deceived because other words that are, might be the right words distract us from the ultimate mission. There's a, a line in here I haven't spoke about to close the sermon. I think it's kind of pivotal in Nehemiah's life. And he says in verse 9, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Lake Avenue Church, this isn't uh, the kind of work that we just grow on our own to figure out how to not be distracted. But we, in relationship with God, we pray and we ask God to strengthen who we are for the work he's called us to. And while Nehemiah's prey was to strengthen his hands, their hands, because of the physical work they probably had remaining, I want you to know our prayer for this congregation is that God would strengthen our hearts, that God would strengthen our minds. Frankly, that God would strengthen our love, because that is our secret weapon. In fact, that's why we will now pivot next week from Old Testament history in the book of Nehemiah to the Gospel of John. And we're going to let Jesus be our teacher for the next many weeks around the word love because we need 
to be strengthened in love to live out the mission that God has called us to. And as we love God more, I believe we're able to spot and handle the distractions that will come our way. So next week, I invite you to be with us as we begin this new journey in the Gospel of John. And attached to this sermon series, to this Lenten series, is what we are calling a 40-day of love campaign. And I think you can access all of that information now, but what we're inviting you to is you get a day off. There's Sabbath in this, so don't do the math. You'll go, 40 to Easter. But tangible ways for you to pray, live, do over the next 40 days so that God will strengthen our love in this world. Because I'll tell you, if we sense God has invited us to follow Jesus, participate in God's reconciling work by making disciples of all peoples and generations, and we have not love then it is a bankrupt project. And we, as the church of Jesus, need to grow in love. And just like any strength training exercise, it's not just about information, it's about information and action. And as we get information from God and we take tangible steps of action and love, man, when we get to Easter, watch out for one spiritually fit group of folk who are eager to live out the mission of God, to stay focused on the mission of God, to bring the love of Jesus into this world. And yes, there will always be distractions, but may we be so in love with Jesus that we can see the good things being cloaked to prevent us from the right things, right? May we be able to withstand the subtle slander that comes with being focused on God, and may we have sharp minds and hearts to pull out the deceptions wrapped in maybe the right words to be able to spot what is not real so we can stay focused on what is true. God, we need your help. The work you've called us to is anything but light, but you promise that with your presence it is light. And so help us now this day, this week, to be found faithful, to live out the mission you've called us to here at Lake Avenue Church, the mission you've called us to as as your individual and family followers, God, that we would be people who can focus on what's at hand to be able to spot and withstand the distractions that will come. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.